Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We have to extend what God extended to us to other people. Guys, The older you get, the more people you see with bitterness. It's destroying their life. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. You can't do anything about it, but they can. They have to pursue peace. They have to pursue the root of the bitterness, which always comes from unforgiveness. Being hurt by someone presents challenges and choices. Too often, people choose to try to hurt back, which only makes things worse. Two wrongs don't make a right and all that. Besides that, it's not the way God wants his people to behave. You'll be hearing from Pastor Mark today about the dangers unforgiveness can bring and how it can distort every area of your life. Thankfully, you'll learn today how to turn your right to hurt someone else over to God and heal the hurt inside yourself. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 12 as he continues his message, Pursue Peace and Enjoy Grace. Sometimes we just keep it to ourselves, And pretty soon that unforgiveness, a seed is planted. And as that seed begins to grow, it always finds its way into bitterness. It just grows in our lives. We've all been there. So unresolved conflicts lead to a resentment. A resentment leads to unforgiveness. I'm not going to go to that person. Remember, we forgot to pursue peace. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness and rage and anger. It's this progression that starts with a hurt. First thing, unforgiveness leads to bitterness. Now, in our world, in the church world, what do people get bitter at? Well, number one, people get bitter at God. God, why did you allow that? That can't be right. How can that be right? Second, against our parents. Some of you are even adults today, and there's issues with your adult parents. Against a spouse. We live in a home, and there's unforgiveness in the home. It's because we don't address it. We just try to maintain peace. Well, you need to get it out in the open. Ask God's help. Do you realize how many people outside of this building have been hurt in a church and never stepped back in? 
You can't imagine how many people. And you hear it all the time. Some of you know those people. They're just not in church anymore. And they got hurt. Something I said, something happened in the congregation, another church, doesn't have to be this church. Whatever it was, Satan took it and blew it up in their mind. And now that keeps them from coming to church, fellowshipping. And they take that hurt and extend it to every church. Well, in many ways, they're right. What is a church? It's people. Will you go to a church somewhere where you'll never be hurt? No, not unless you're the only one there. People hurt people. That's what we do. But we have to learn to live in forgiveness. And of course, in a church, that's what happens. You can get bitter against God. You can get bitter against your parents, your spouse, your kids, the church as a whole. But the church is simply people. So it's the interaction of people where this bitterness begins to go. Now, here's the problem. When that bitterness starts in me, it starts small, but it's just like a cancer. It spreads. And pretty soon, it affects me physically, spiritually, and big time emotionally. But then it doesn't stop. It spreads to my home, my family, my friends, my church, my neighborhood. It just is unending. It just has roots that go out and out and out and out. What am I to do with it? How do I solve it? What caused it? Well, you already know what caused it. Unforgiveness. So notice, bottom line, there's a fruit to this root. The fruit of bitterness is simply everyday life becomes miserable. And this person exists, they don't live. Now, someone has said and equated, and I think it's interesting, that bitterness has the same shelf life as a Twinkie. See, a Twinkie has all these preservatives and artificial ingredients that can like last forever. There's a Twinkie. Well, unforgiveness that leads to bitterness will last forever unless you get at the root of the bitterness. And what is always the root of the bitterness? It's the hurt that you experience that you didn't forgive. It's always you. So I have to understand, to remove the root, I have to forgive the person that hurt me. Now, Matthew 18 says, I'm to go to that person. I'm to ask. I'm to release it. Maybe I hurt them or they hurt me, whatever it is. Ephesians 4.15 says what? Speak the truth in love. So you have to address it. I always use an illustration when we go through our premarital classes about speaking the truth in love. Husband and wife, they're newly married. They sit down for breakfast. The wife has fixed the breakfast. She's made toast just the way he likes it. She doesn't know how he likes it, but she happened to make it brown and put butter on it. And she makes this bacon that's floppy. And she sits it down in front of him. He hates floppy bacon. And I say to you, what does the husband say? 
I actually say it like this. What does the wise husband say? (laughs) You'd be surprised at some of the responses. Well, the wise husband, typically they don't normally go to this. Honey, the toast was great. That's good. If the wife is picking up on anything, she already already sees what's happening here. Once in a while, a couple will say, well, I don't want to hurt my wife. I said, well, would you like to be married 22 years and she's making you floppy bacon for 22 years? (laughs) Well, no, I would like to do that. How will she know? Well, I guess I'm going to have to tell her. Yes. (laughs) Probably not that time. That would not be a good time. But the next time she's making bacon, while she's doing it, say, honey, I like it a little more crisp. Speak the truth what? Say it with me. In love. Your motive is love. So I have to do the same thing. I have to go to the person and I have to ask them to forgive me. Now forgive me simply removes the debt that that person owes me. I came across something. I love it. Forgiveness is moving from you owe me to you owe me nothing. I like that. You owe me. You hurt me. No. You owe me nothing. I forgive you. To enjoy life, that's how we have to live. We have to live that way. We have to extend what God extended to us to other people. Guys, the older you get, the more people you see with bitterness. It's destroying their life. Physical, spiritual, and emotional. You can't do anything about it, but they can. They have to pursue peace. They have to pursue the root of the bitterness, which always comes from unforgiveness. But Pastor Mark, they really hurt me, and they did the thing that was wrong, and it wasn't right. I know. That's why you forgive. Did any of us do any things that were wrong to God? We're to forgive as God forgave us. Is it hard? Yes. Can it be done? Yes. Here's the key you want to write. We are able to forgive because God gives us the power to forgive. See, you can't do that in your selfish being. No way. I keep a list. God doesn't want a list. Just forgive. Just extend grace to the person who hurt you. Now, when you forgive, that doesn't mean that you excuse what they did for you. Or in a marriage where somebody has been abusing you, you don't stay in that marriage. You forgive them, you move on. If they're physically beating you, God never asks you to do that. I don't have time to get it. We did a whole series on prison break. We did a whole four weeks in that. I wrote a book about it. Same thing, you can get it and pile through it. Somebody just wrote me last week. They got the book. It helped them so much. They just wrote me. Remember, all the profits of that all go to missions. None of that stuff goes to me. But it's so prevalent in our society. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 16. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest child. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing... He was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Here's our fourth key. Pursue eternal priorities. 
No doubt these Jewish converts knew the story of Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament. Esau is a picture of bitterness. We know that before these twins were born, keep your finger right where you are, and let's go to a Genesis chapter 25, first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 25. We know before these twins were born, God spoke to Rebecca, Isaac's wife. God says, there's going to be twins. You don't need an ultrasound. There's going to be twins. And then he told them a very interesting, really confusing thing because it went against typically what God did. Look at Genesis 25, verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. These twins were going to father nations. One would be greater than the other. The younger one would be greater than the older. That's very different. So sovereignly, sovereignly, God chose, went beyond the normal way, and the younger was the one that's going to actually rule the older. Now, this decision that obviously Esau would learn. See, Esau being the oldest usually would be the leader. He'd get all the inheritance. We know later that God was going to give that to Jacob. And as that went through, you would think that he would be thinking, well, God, what are you doing? We don't know why Esau didn't care for the things of God, but it could be that decision of God that made him bitter at God. You'll see what I mean in a moment. Look at verse 27. The boys grew up. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. He was on the men's magazine, you know, the muscle magazine and whatever. Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. He's like home and gardens, Jacob. (laughs) Isaac, the father who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebecca loved Jacob. You can see a problem at home. I don't have time to get there already. Favorites. Verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished, some of that Cincinnati chili. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? Now you see the character of Esau. He was godless. The birthright had two wonderful promises. Number one, blessing. Twice the inheritance. Who wouldn't want that? Wow, what a blessing. But second was the responsibility. The oversight of the family, including the spiritual warfare. So in the end, what was Esau saying? The only part of this that I care about, this birthright, I don't care anything about the responsibility. Just give me the blessings. All I want is the blessings. There's a very interesting legend. It is a legend, a Jewish legend that says Jacob and Esau tried to kill each other starting in the womb. Also, every time Rebecca went near an idol's altar, Esau would get excited in the womb. And when she would go near a place where the Lord was worshipped, Jacob 
would get excited. Why the legend? To explain the understanding of the pursuing of Esau, not for God, but for the things of the flesh. Next thing you want to write is this. This is really important. Esau was hungry for food, not for God. Now, Esau was a good hunter. He was a good son, but his priorities are wrong. He simply didn't care about the spiritual things. He cared about the flesh, the things of the world. He was a worshiper of things, not a worshiper of God. You know what 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Esau was hungry for food and not for God. Listen to this. David was hungry for Bathsheba, not for God. The rich young ruler was hungry for riches, not for God. You see, as you and I think about this, it's what we're hungry for. Verse 33, but Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. And he ate and drank, then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Go back to Hebrews where we were. You see, Esau despised his birthright. He sold it to Jacob. He missed the blessing, which was part of that birthright, because it was given to Jacob. We know later Jacob was going to get it all, but Esau didn't have to do what he did. God was still going to bless him. Later, Esau tried to get Isaac to change his mind. It was too late. Even his tears availed nothing. Notice verse 17, toward the end. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought, circle this in your Bibles, he sought the blessings with tears. Not the responsibility of the inheritance. Only the blessings. We see that so much. Esau spent all the rest of his life being bitter. He stewed over the stew forever. It just affected every part of his life. He never came to real repentance. He was simply sorry he missed out on the one thing he wanted, the blessing. What was this application? Why is the writer writing this to these Hebrews? Well, the Hebrews were thinking of doing exactly what Esau did. Walk away from what was true, the blessings of God, that they could experience eternally. Why would they do that? Because they were being persecuted. They were thinking of throwing in the towel. They were thinking of things that were transitory rather than eternal. And so the writer says, don't forget Esau. For a short pleasure, a bowl of stew, he lost the inheritance and the blessing of God. Don't give up in your race. Don't put something in front of God. Now, what is this saying to us, this last aspect? Well, I have to judge myself in this race. I'm to search my heart. I have to look and first see, is there any bitterness in my heart? If I mention that word bitter, 
Does a person come to my mind? Is that something that God is trying to say to me? That situation, you haven't let it go? Now remember, when we do forgive, we will remember the situation. But every time it comes, we just replace it with the truth of God. God, I have forgiven them. It's not a part of me anymore. You have to constantly do that because the enemy wants to come back and condemn you. You haven't really forgiven. You won't release it. No, I can remember it, but I don't remember the hurt of it anymore. Why? Because God's healed it. It's not like I don't remember the event. Certainly you remember the event. Now, is there any unforgiveness in your heart? What about my spiritual responsibilities and blessing? Is wealth, power, prestige, position, or praise... What I hunger for, or do I hunger for God? Jesus would say this in Matthew, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You see, you have a hunger in you for God, a hunger that God put in there. Satan will always have alternatives. He'll have something Authority, success, comfort, happiness, sensuality, dead religion. That he'll try to substitute for a real hunger for God. Esau hungered for the things of the flesh, the stew, rather than God. Isaiah 55 has a great statement. Notice. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you No good. Listen, and I will tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. Come to me, a relationship with God, with your ears wide open. Listen for life, for the life of your soul is at stake. I'm ready to make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the mercies and unfailing love that I promised to David. See, without God, you can't be satisfied in life. That stew lasted about that long. How long did the relationship with Bathsheba last? The adultery lasted about that long. David would pay for it forever. As you and I look at this, I want to be right with God. The biggest mistake in life, you don't need to write this down, but you need to understand it with your mind. The biggest mistake in life is trying to satisfy our spiritual hunger with people or things or a business or an IRA, or some kind of a prideful thing in my life. If I get to that position, then that thing that I hunger for will be satisfied. No, it will never be satisfied. The only thing that can satisfy you and I is a real relationship with God. And bitterness will keep me from being satisfied. So will sexual immorality keep me from being satisfied. We're going to speak very clearly and succinctly this weekend about worship. Don't miss it. Pharaoh goes down to the water every morning to worship. Why? Because he was made a worshiper. What well are you and I drinking from? I want to drink from the waters of life. I don't want the bitter waters tomorrow. I want the sweet water that comes from living in forgiveness. Today, Pastor Mark taught about some of the characteristics of God. 
you learned about God's forgiveness and how much and how often he forgives his people. You found out too that you're expected to behave the same way towards all people that God does towards you. You might think that that would be hard and you're right without God's help. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages. So come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching, Pursue Peace and Enjoy Grace. Next time, he'll begin his teaching, Our Race of Grace. You'll continue with the theme of the Christian life as a long-distance race. You'll be learning about more tips you need to pick up along your race so that you can finish strong, bringing others along with you to God. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. I heard his word made flesh in a hurry.